Okay, we are going to go to 1 John. <laughs> Look at Atalia. And we're going to go to verse 1. We're going to, I'm just going to do the Bible study. I think, I think this is a good little lesson to do. A lesson to do. Um, I, won't, I won't video it. I don't think we need to do that today. So we're just going to go to 1 John 1. And I want to, I think this will be a good little lesson as disbelievers. So let me just pray again. Ask, Lord, you would help us this morning. Again, we thank you for this time. May the word of God be rich in our own lives. And Lord, I know you're with us and we thank you for that. Be with those that aren't with us. Meet the different needs, Lord, that we all have. And we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you uh, just a very simple thought here. And I've basically called this stay believing, okay? <laughs> just a very, there's a very, but there's a couple of really, I think, biblical truths that I think is worth, worthy to keep in mind. So let's read um, from verse 1. So John, so we've been looking in, in the first John, just a way of introduction. We have, we've done a couple of lessons on stay still, stay in, uh, dealing with the prodigal. prodigal lost the light that he did have, that he always was the father's son. But, in the, but when he was out in the, when he got himself caught in that darkness of being joined to another citizen, he can only really look back and say, only can really look back and say that the servants in the father's house had it better off than him. But there's one thing he never realised, he was always the father's son. And here's the idea, guys, is that when you and I got saved, we are always the father's son, amen? We are, we are children of God in Jesus Christ. So therefore we have to live, your Christian life has to be lived in light of the scriptures. What does the Bible tell, tell us that we are? Um, and so the idea was last week, stay in. But I want to talk about stay believing. Now this, this I'll, read, I'll read you first, John. Now as a way of introduction, there are some, there are some chapters in your Bible that are, that are key you could say they're key, they're key to the Christian life, they're key. So notice what he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So the idea then is that, the idea then is to keep in mind that when we got saved we are in a spiritual battle, battle, and we are to hear a heed to what John is saying. He says, try the spirits. Now, if we keep what he says here in context of what we've done, where he introduces us in, in the chapter where he says, where he introduces to us that they had beheld the Son of God. I'll read it to you. So the context of this book here was he, John writing to us, he's writing to the believer he wants to impart to the believer the privilege he had as a disciple who walked with Jesus Christ for the earthly ministry. So in the first chapter here, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested and made known. We have seen it excuse me, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. 
So in the Bible, so in the Bible then, there is, the Bible is not abstract. What do you mean? Well, Jesus Christ was manifest in the flesh. They handled him. They saw him. All those sort of, there's nothing abstract when you read the Bible. Now, when it comes to, so when it comes to, he says, try every spirit, it's the same thing. They're not abstract. A spirit can be, can persuade you, it can, well, it can seduce you, like it says. Um, So he says, try the spirits, whether they be of God. Now, here's the context. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So here's how we try. Verse 2, hereby know he the Spirit of God, capital S, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof we have heard it should come. I remember when we first came to Kingaroy, there was a lady standing back here and I, had, I happened to say that the, the mystery of God manifests in the flesh, which is one of the mysteries where the Bible says, without controversy, great is the mystery of God uh, manifests in the flesh. Where it says without controversy means there's no argument here. And so she said to me, um, well, we'll agree to disagree on that one because she just wanted to believe Jesus was just Jesus. And I said, no, he won't, because it's without controversy. Try every spirit, whether they be of God. Of course, the emphasis is that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. John had the privilege of walking with him. He's saying we handled him, we saw him, we've touched him. There's nothing abstract about him. He died, he buried and rose again, amen, in that sense. So so when you come to the Bible, and this passage is is very important, Um, but I also want you to go back to chapter 3 and verse 1. And we did this lesson, we did this lesson with this idea to keep in mind. And I think it's important because it says in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Behold, what manner of love the, the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. I want you to keep in mind that as a believer, don't think that the world is going to receive you because they know you not. Why do I say that? Because an unbeliever has not received the Spirit of God to know you. Is that fair enough? So they know you not. So that idea then to know you not is the idea then that we are spiritually believers. We're grafted into what's known as called the spiritual Israel of God. We're grafted in. But crucially so for that I want you to realise that as we sit here today, do you realise that not all men have what? That not all men have faith. They don't have faith. So our faith then is very, is very connected to John chapter 1 where he says, Beloved, try the spirits. What makes me a Christian is because that's the faith, that Jesus Christ was manifest in the flesh. He is the, he is the central thing to us. Not all men have faith. I think it's funny too, you know, in the day and age we live in, 
You think of that verse where he said, and I think it's Romans chapter 3, he says, let God be true and every man what? A liar. <laughs> okay, We need to remember that, you know, let God be true, you know, and I think that's the real issue today, that people won't just allow God to be true, but let every man be a liar. So as we come here, I want you to go over to, I want you to go over to John chapter 12, and I want to give an illustration here of John chapter 12. And hopefully this can help. So in John chapter 12, we had, we had Lazarus. We had Lazarus um, being raised from the dead. Do you remember that they didn't just go to see Jesus? <laughs> remember they went to see Lazarus because <laughs> he was risen from the dead? What a deal poor old Lazarus had. God rose him, rose him up again took him from a place of peace and joy, amen, brought him back into this world and said, all right, Lazarus, you're going to have to die one day. It, doesn't God dish out some deals for some of us, amen, to Lazarus? So Lazarus, so Lazarus was the, the key that God used for Martha and Mary. Martha realised that Christ was the resurrection. Her mindset was that it was the end time stuff, but Jesus said, now listen, Martha, I am the resurrection of God. And she kind of brushed that off and said, yeah, God, we know that. But the idea then here, so in John, John chapter 12 and verse 10, let me pick it up here. So now Lazarus has been risen from the dead, but the chief priests <laughs> consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because... That by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on who? Jesus. Understand, if you have a good Christian life and people believe on Jesus because of your faith, don't worry, the chief priests are around to put you to death, amen? <laughs> Let's just be honest, okay? The chief priest said, right, we, even though Lazarus is a miracle, we need to put this guy to death because he's a witness to Jesus Christ. Christian life is a witness to Christ. It really is. Because at the uh, verse 12, and on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, for you who know your Bible, what's happening right here in John 12? He's coming, into, he's coming into Jerusalem. What are they doing? Sitting on a donkey and they, they are saying the king of Israel has come up on a donkey. And of course, what were the Jews looking for? Their Messiah. Here they are recognising that. Here they've got the Palm Sunday. Here Jesus Christ is coming on a donkey. Here he is as the king. And the interesting thing about this passage here is that that's what the Jews should have been looking for. That's what the disciples followed him for because they have said, we have found the Messiah who cometh. Here we have a picture now. Lazarus needs to be put away because he's a witness. But now we have a, a witness of the people and they're crying out, Hosanna, Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So right here is a picture 
of the second coming of Christ. It's a picture, you could say, of them receiving their king. And of course, if Israel ever received a king, what do you think the world's going to do? So he says in verse 15, Fear not, daughter of Zion, because thy king of comes sitting on an ass's colt. And these things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, that they had done these things unto him. Now I want you to think with me for a moment. What you're actually reading here is what we call partial prophecy. Partial prophecy means it wasn't fulfilled then. It will be fulfilled later on. That's what's called partial prophecy. It's, you're looking here at him coming. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. But did it happen? Did they make him king? No. So this is partial prophecy. Partial prophecy is also found in the book of Acts chapter 2 as partial prophecy. They were getting, after they got saved, they were getting ready for his coming which he could have come back in Acts 7. So Acts 2 is partial prophecy. It hasn't been fulfilled. In other words, this passage will not be fulfilled until Jesus comes right back. But where are we going before he comes back? Up. <laughs> okay. So partial prophecy. Now I want you to think with me, if, we, if this was happening to us right now, and just say we were, just say we were, looking for his coming. We have, we have the Old Testament. Here it is. We know he's coming. We see this. Would it be common sense to make him king? Yeah, common sense. Wouldn't it be common sense? Wouldn't, wouldn't that just... Oh, here he is. Wouldn't that be common sense just to make him king? Now, I want to show you a truth here that I think is important. Because common sense is not faith in God's economy and faith is not common sense. I want you to keep that in mind. Faith, common sense is not faith and faith is not common sense. When Jesus sp spoke, he spoke what we call, he spoke in revelation sense. Watch what happens here in this passage. So let's pick it up in verse, where were we up to? Okay, so let's pick it up in verse 16. Okay, the, no, verse 17. So the disciples don't remember this till after he rose again. Verse 17, the people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. So they, there was a record of this. For this cause the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle. So here we have a lot of things happening here. Pharisees want to put him to death because he's a witness. Here you have a partial prophecy of Christ returning as it was prophesied. I forget what book that is where he comes sitteth on a, on a cult and your king cometh. There they, they're singing Hosanna uh, as Jesus Christ is coming here. And then verse 18, For this cause the people also met him, for they had heard that he'd done this miracle. So the whole idea, the miracle of Lazarus, was the last one before Christ died. They came to see him. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, verse 19, Perceive he how he prevailed nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Right here, the Pharisees are, are scared that they're going to lose their position. 
They're losing their position because the world is going after Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the picture of religion. Religion is always about the Pharisees holding their position. Remember, God did give the Pharisees, they, they were entrusted to, they were entrusted with the things that God had given them, but they'd made it about themselves, not about faith. So that's what they did. But then notice with me, so, and then, and then verse 20, and there were certain Greeks among them, so these are the Gentiles, that came up to worship at the feast. The same came before to Philip, which was of Bethsaida, Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. So they want to see him. So they have mentioned this to Philip. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew, Andrew and Philip telleth Jesus. And, you know, there's a good lesson there. Why, did, why was it that Philip went to Andrew and not Jesus? Because Andrew knew where to find Jesus, amen? And, you know, there are just some people who know where to find him. <laughs> amen? And Philip said, I, know, I don't know where he is at the moment, but I'll go and see Andrew. Andrew was the disciple of the brother of Peter. He took the back seat as a Christian where Peter was that upfront person. Verse 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour uh, is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, listen, we've just had them recognising their king. They've just seen him come on a donkey. They've seen that's prophesied of the Old Testament. They've just cried Hosanna. Common sense would have been for them to make him king right there and then. But watch what the Lord does. And, and Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die and bite of alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So the conversation that Jesus is having here has got nothing to do with them receiving him as their Messiah. He's talking in a totally different realm here. And he's talking about the seed dying. Talks about it here for us. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honour. Jesus Christ is not talking about the kingdom here at all. Not at all. Now if my soul, now is my soul troubled, what shall I say, Father, Save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Right here, Jesus is not talking in common sense. He is talking what we call revelation sense. He is not making sense. What do you mean? They're thinking he's going to receive them to make him their king. Amen? That would be common sense. Christ is not talking in common sense here. He's telling them, for this cause I came, not to be made Messiah, but to be made what? Saviour. 
to save you before Messiah. Common sense. Now, I want to, there's a, this is not exactly where I'm going here. So, so therefore Christ, when you read the Bible, Jesus talks in revelation sense, not common sense. It's important to know that. Paul spoke in revelation sense when he wrote as the apostle. He wrote in revelation sense, the revelations that were given to him, the revelations that were hidden God before the foundation of the world. There is no new revelation. It's, you have the book here. So right here, the Jews, the Jews saw partial prophecy but it wasn't fulfilled. Now come over to Luke chapter 4 with me. Luke chapter 4. And there's a, really, there's a really good lesson here I think we all can take, especially in the day and age we live in. Right at the moment, right at the moment, like normally happens, when Israel starts fighting against Hamas, what is the normal thing that everyone says? It's the end time and coming and it's all going to happen. Now who's causing, who, who's causing the fight between Israel and the Palestinians? Who's behind it? Satan, isn't he? Isn't Satan the one behind this? Isn't it, isn't it satanic for a, a group of people to go and just kill innocent people like they did in Israel? That's Satan, okay? And God might be allow it, but that's Satan, okay? So Satan's doing that at the moment. I don't see anything really new. Every time this happens, Israel reacts the same way. And by the way, just as a matter of interest, the... There was, a, there was a, an interview in Russia with one of the Hamas leaders and the interviewer said, why don't, you make, why don't you make shelters for the Palestinians where the Hamas have five, I think it's 500 miles of tunnels, something, there's a lot of tunnel underneath Palestine and those tunnels are to protect Hamas, not the people. And you know what Hamas says? I know the United Nations are, 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 are there to protect the Palestinian people from Israel, but the, the tunnels are to protect us, not the Palestinians. Why don't they just tell us the truth, amen? And then you, and then you, get, and then you get this attack on Israel, satanic, which was total satanic, how that happened. And the world, the world just somehow get it all totally wrong, around the wrong way, so when you come, so when, just to say that, to put things in, in, into perspective, I want to show you something about that. Satan cannot fulfil prophecy. Only God can. I'll say that again because this is really important in the day and age. Satan cannot fulfil prophecy. Do you remember in the book of Job when God said there was a conversation and who was the one who sent all the wind and destroyed Job's family? Was it God or Satan? Satan, okay. So right here, so right here then, when you come over to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 4, do you remember, before I read it, do you remember that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, where did the Spirit of God lead him to? Where, where, did, where did he go? Out into the wilderness. Remember that? The Spirit led him into the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil. How long? 40 days. Now, what was the, do you remember what the, do you remember what Satan offered the Lord? Yeah, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms. 
You know what Satan was doing there? If you do this, I can fulfill prophecy. That's why it says in Revelation 11, I think it is, where the Bible says the kingdoms of this world have become our Lord's. Satan cannot fulfill prophecy. Only God can fulfill prophecy. Just because Satan's doing something doesn't mean that's necessarily happening as prophecy because even though you see partial prophecy in where we read in chapter 12, partial prophecy means it hasn't been fulfilled yet. We see partial prophecy in Acts. But right here at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he comes back from being tempted of the devil because Jesus said to Satan, and this is the words he used, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't tempt me to fulfill prophecy before the Father's time. Does that make sense? That's what temptation is. Temptation is for us normally to do something. Uh, we get ahead of God's time. Who's ever done that? <laughs> I think we're trying to do it at the moment. <laughs> temptation, you know, you want to get ahead of the Lord's timing. God's timing is everything. So right here then, you have... You have Jesus Christ comes back into from that, that day, verse 2 of chapter 4 of Luke. It says, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. When he ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up and so forth. Let's pick it up when he comes back into... Let's pick it up so I can shorten this here a little bit. Go down to verse 14 after the temptation in the wilderness. Verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And remember, it's the Spirit of God that led him. Now he's returning into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him about all the region around about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, and of course Nazareth is home where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And that was, isn't it interesting that Jesus is the word of God and his, his job in the synagogue was to read the word of God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> He's to read it here. And there was delivered unto him the book of, of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah said, which is Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. So right here, I want you to hear what's happening. Right here, you're going to hear prophecy being fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel. He's preaching from Isaiah 61, I think. So we don't have time to turn there. So he's preaching from there and he says, Because the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the poor he have sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Why were they fastened on Jesus Christ? No, no. The Jews knew that only God can fulfill prophecy. And right there, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And they're looking at him because they know 
that verse has to be fulfilled and it can only be fulfilled by God because it was prophesied in the Old Testament. So here they fastened on him. Yeah, they probably didn't believe him. You're probably right there, John. And he closed the book. Oh, sorry. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in what? Your ears. Okay. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember when they came to take Jesus um, and you remember what Jesus said to Peter and them? He said, he said to them, how then shall the scripture be filled that this must be? You remember they were going to stop Jesus being taken into captive by, you know, when he was in the garden. You know, the Lord said, he said, this must be, this must happen so scripture can be fulfilled. So right here, right here you have, and he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, you know what he's actually saying? God is fulfilling scripture right now, this day, and you Jews know it, but you have a problem because I'm in my hometown and you just, you look at me as just Jesus of Nazareth, amen? So he goes on. And they bear him witness and they wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. I bet they did. <laughs> and they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this day, provision, proverb physician, heal thyself. What did they try to do with Jesus after that? They were going to chuck him off the hill, weren't they? Remember they took him up into the hill? Because the prophecy of the Old Testament was that they wouldn't receive him and that happened. Now come over with me. So come over to Daniel chapter 2 with me. Daniel chapter 2. Now I want you to get in your mind that the Bible teaches something really clear here. That it's God who fulfills prophecy, not Satan. Satan would like you to think that he can fulfill prophecy. And I think what happens when we see Satan loosed, Everyone's looking at prophecy, somehow trying to figure out this is going to happen. I noticed with ISIS, they did this with other verses. I think Psalm 83 is one that they try to make a prophecy. So everyone looks at prophecy being fulfilled. But come here to Daniel chapter 2, verse 27. I better get there myself. I want you to hear what Daniel says here, and this is a really good truth, because Daniel's now in captivity. He was a, He had that... The Hebrew children were like a circle in a circle. They're around the heathen king Nebuchadnezzar. Poor old Nebuchadnezzar has dreams and his uh, soothsayers and the wisdom of all those guys couldn't answer it. <laughs> but it, it comes to part that Daniel is brought before him and in verse 27, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar the king, he answered, in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king have demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what shall be in the latter days. And they dream the visions of thy head upon thy bed. Now come to verse, I think what verse we need. Come to verse, go back to verse 21. I want you to see what Daniel says to this king. And he makes a statement here that I think we all should remember as believers. And he says in verse 21, talking about God, 
And he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Verse 21. And he, notice what God does, change of the times and the seasons, remove of kings, set of up kings, he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Now, who is it that changes times and seasons then? God does. Isn't it interesting that everyone is looking at the time and they leave God out of it? Because God can change times and seasons. What did the disciples say to Jesus in Acts chapter 1? <laughs> Have a look at Acts chapter 1 verse 7. Remember they came to him and they, after the resurrection and he's now about to ascend back into heaven. And you remember what the Bible said? Remember they came and they said, Lord, when, when shall I restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus Christ makes a really important truth here. And he says unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his own power. You know what the Lord just told them? God will fulfill prophecy, prophecy when he's ready. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> he will restore the kingdom to Israel when who's ready? When he is. Who, who fulfills prophecy? Satan or God? So when you look at that verse then, what are we worried about prophecy when we know it's our Heavenly Father that will fulfill prophecy when he is ready to do it. I'm over people looking at the end times. They're so caught up in the stinking end times. They think because Satan burps that this is the end time. How do we know? But I can say one thing for sure from the Bible. I know that God is the only one who will fulfill prophecy. And he'll do it when he is ready and in his time. The good thing about that is though, if we're saved, can the Lord take us out of here now? Yeah, amen. <laughs> of course he can. <laughs> What's stopping him? Oh, nothing. But Brother Simon, this has to happen and this has to happen. Garbage. The Lord will fulfil it just as he said he would fulfil it. And he will fulfil it in his own time. What if God is actually shortening the days, which sometimes people say for God's elect? You know, you know what I mean? Have you ever noticed that the days sometimes seem to go faster? Time seems to run away from you? And how quickly things happen? So it's God who fulfills prophecy. And Satan wants to trick everyone to get their focus off the Lord himself, I think, onto end time stuff which is not in our power it's not in our hand, it's not in our understanding because God will fulfil prophecy and he shows that he didn't fulfil it by common sense when he came there on that riding into Jerusalem. I could imagine them singing Hosanna to the Lord. It would have been something to behold. But that wasn't God's plan. And then Jesus spoke in Revelation sense and he said, no, I have not come to be made Messiah. I have come for this hour to die for our sins and be buried and rose again. I mean, it's a simple story when you come to the Bible. It's not, it's, not, it's not that hard. 
So the idea then that we live in a day now where he says to us, he says, try every spirit whether they be of God. Because that one is that God was manifest in the flesh. Have you noticed that like with the book, with the Galatians where he, where Paul wrote to him, he said, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Isn't it interesting today that as believers we, we seem to be attacked and there seems to be a persuasion to move away from the things that we know that are true, to move away from the Bible, say move away that God was manifest in the flesh. And that's why I think he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to give just one simple thought, and we're not going to go too long, and this is a lesson. I'm just going to say to everyone here, stay believing. Just stay believing. Just as it's printed out in the Bible, just as we see the lessons of partial prophecy, just as we see Daniel speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar and reveals one of the greatest truths I think we can all have, is that our Lord will fulfil prophecy. We don't need to get focused on events because events, events do not fulfil prophecy. God fulfils prophecy. And when he does, it will work out just as he said and, so, and those events that we sometimes read in the Bible will come to pass just as he said. So if the Lord said to the disciples, it's not for you to know, then I think there's a great thing there because... What a blessing it is just to have simple faith in the Lord. I don't need to get caught up on the internet, amen. And if you want to go on the internet and see what end time stuff is about, it is insane. And none of them have faith in the Lord. They have no faith in the Bible. They don't believe what the Bible teaches, by the way. They do not. Because that's a very clear lesson. And I think the clarity of that lesson to me was that, yeah, Lord, no, Satan doesn't do this. You do this. So salvation, even our salvation, when you think about when you got saved, did it start in darkness or with light? <laughs> light, okay. Have you noticed that there's many thieves and robbers to steal the salvation that, you, that we had in the Lord? <laughs> you get saved and all of a sudden, now someone comes along and says, now, Brother Simon, you need to do this and this, this and that, that, blah, blah, blah. But I never asked you to, for salvation in the first place. There's a persuasion that I think nowadays is trying to rob the Christian of their faith. I think there is a, a truth here that we should keep in mind that our faith is in him. My faith is in what the Bible teaches. I do really believe that only God will fulfil the prophecy. I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to do anything about that actually at all, just rather believe what it says. And then I'm going to say this and I'm going to add for just two little things. Stay believing. I think there's three little things we can stay believing in. Stay believing in the light God has given you. In other words, whatever the light God has given you, hold on to that light and don't be persuaded by other men. Stay believing. Stay believing in the Bible. Stay believing in the light we get from it. I'm not going to be persuaded from something else when the Bible doesn't teach it or outlay it that way. So I must stay believing. The other one is, the other one I, we talked about this this morning, isn't it interesting how like-minded believers come together? 
stay believing with like-minded believers. Uh, I've often said that without others, uh, you wouldn't, our faith is really sometimes hinged with the, those we've stood with or been with. And the last one is that have you noticed when we do stay believing that God gives us the liberty that we can have in him, amen? That's just a really quick Bible study this morning. I think it's just a simple truth, nothing too complicated this morning, amen? And what, what's our last hymn? We'll close with our last hymn. <laughs> Can we do 210? Amen. We